Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. We want to welcome you this week as we continue in the book of Acts with the Jesus Movement. Let's jump in and see what God's Word has for us from our lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. We are in a book of Acts, and I, um, we're going to continue the book of Acts, so go ahead and turn to chapter 4. Um, how many of you are enjoying the book of Acts? Now, part of what we're trying to do is also read along, um, and so we're in Acts chapter 4. But before we get there, um, we started Acts um, with the movement begins. Um, but what we're going to learn um, today is the movement now, as we enter into um, chapter 4, the movement begins to take form and take shape. Um, so it's not just the movement begins, it's now the Jesus movement. Because as you read chapter 4, you start to see that the um, miracles and everything else that's happening the word gets out. And something happens when the word gets out. So um, one of the things uh, that we uh, look at is um, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Now, while he was with them, with them, uh, this is Jesus, while Jesus was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise which he said, you have heard me speak about. Now, apologize. The, oh, we got it working. Praise the Lord. The Lord is somewhat. They're like, eh. All right, so uh, that's Acts chapter 1, verses 4. So uh, Jesus is resurrected, and, and now the disciples are walking with him for about 40 days. And in walking with him, uh, Jesus tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he says, don't do anything, um, that's my translation, don't do anything until the one that I promised, speaking of the Holy Spirit, comes. And so here's a nugget. Some of us have gone out before we received the Spirit, and now whatever we put our hands to, we are trying to make it happen ourselves. But Jesus reminds them, wait. Everybody say, wait. Um, and if... Ah, I want to jump ahead, but I'm not, because here's what I want to sort of stick in the room and let you marinate on it for a minute, that just because God allowed it doesn't mean he endorsed it. And so oftentimes what happens, we have these markers of success and we declare that God is with us. Um, but this is what Jesus tells his disciples, don't do nothing. Till the Holy Spirit comes. And just because God allowed it doesn't mean he endorsed it. And some of us were acting, were activating or acting more out of our gifting than with the permission from the gift giver. Uh, so the first point I want to make, be careful not to operate more out of your gifting than you spend more time, than you spend time with the giver of the gift. Uh, the scripture says that your gift will make room for you. And so we are, some of us are charismatic. Some of us are so skilled. Your work ethic is tremendous and we applaud you. But be careful that you don't just rely on your gift. And so this is evidence of how many of us um, are growing weary. Now, here's the difference between weariness and being tired. See, there's nothing wrong with being tired. Because being tired is a reminder of simply needing rest. But weariness is having no strength 
and living in a state of depletion. Weariness is more about your soul than it is about your flesh. So when you're weary, um, you, go to you go to sleep and you wake up tired. You sleep 10 hours and you wake up. So it's, the point is that Jesus knows and foretells and can see ahead and say this journey, say this journey, this journey you're on, you're going to need my spirit. Because what you have in you will not be enough to carry you about what you're about to go through. So this is the, the formation of not only their obedience-based discipleship, but this is them living under the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what God has called us to do. You can't even raise your kids without the Holy Spirit. Not these days, but that's, that's something for another time. These kids go through a lot. Okay, that's just for another time. But many times we are worn out because people recognize our gifted, giftedness without recognizing the tenderness of our hearts. They dropped you. They dropped us. In other words, the tenderness of your heart is what you really need. There were times when I served because I was trying to fulfill the emptiness I was feeling. So I served more. I served harder, I served longer, because I thought by serving, I could get from the people what only God could give me. And so that weariness of your spirit is a sign that your soul is crying out for help. And there are so many bodies, figuratively, left by the side of the road in pursuit of quote-unquote godly things. And so this is where... Um, Jesus comes and disrupts these systems. See, Jesus had the foresight to warn his disciples that they would face challenges and persecution. So none of this should be too shocking with the disciples. So way back in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sends out the 12, we're going to focus on um, verse number 16. Look. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Just think about that for a minute. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents, but as innocent as doves. Beware of them, because they will hand you over to local courts and flog you in their synagogues. You will even be brought before governors and kings because of me to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you are to speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour, because it isn't you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is speaking through you. Now, this word that Jesus gives them wasn't for today, but for tomorrow. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. So he gives them this word, back in Matthew chapter 10, 
for them to be to realize that same word in the book of Acts. Acts chapter four, because he leads us to wait, wait, because if you wait, you will be able to handle the mess that come with miracles. You know, it's put it this way. When you were rolling with those friends, rolling with that group, and you were doing what you were big and bad enough to do, as soon as the Lord arrested your heart and you stopped and you wanted to change, the same people that you were rolling with now are against you. So the miracles that happen in us um, create a mess around us. You used to do, but you don't do no more. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit arrests our heart and changes our behavior, stuff happens. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And this is going to, that was my introduction and review. This is going to furnish the words of our message. While they were speaking to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them. Because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day since it was already evening. But many of us who heard the message, but many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Now, these ragtag bunch of misfits, now this movement is not only growing, but now this movement begins to shift, and it gets the attention of the religious leaders. So last week, Pastor Aaron was talking to us about um, the lame man. Remember, remember the lame man? And the lame man was um, in front of the church. He was begging. Now, because Peter and John were full-time ministers, they didn't have any money. <laughs> so, they had, so they were like, look, we ain't got no money, but what such that we have, we give unto you. So um, walk in the name of Jesus. And the man who was crippled at, for about 40 years, he, 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 he walks. And he starts jumping up for joy. Then they go into the temple, go into the church, and he begins to say, man, like, I, 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 used, to, I used to not be able to walk. But, and then the crowd starts gathering. And then Peter is given another opportunity to preach the gospel. And people respond to the gospel. That is a good thing. In this Jesus movement, blind eyes are open. In this Jesus movement, crippled legs are strengthened. But, everybody say, but. Everybody ain't happy. And this is where Acts chapter 4 is. So the next day, verse number 5, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Anas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of people and elders. Now, the translation, a better translation is Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's a better thought here because remember, Peter received the Holy Spirit back in Acts chapter 1. So Peter has the Spirit of God operating in him. And this miracle isn't like the other miracles because the previous miracles, Jesus was physically with them. But this miracle, they on their own. And Jesus is the highlight of both movements. But the difference is they are going to suffer the consequences for being obedient. 
And so that's why he tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, wait. Because what about to happen, you ain't really prepared for. And so this isn't just a miracle within itself, but there's something significant happening here. This miracle has repercussions. Sidebar, everybody doesn't celebrate when you begin to move in and according to the Spirit. Sometimes people celebrate you because it benefits them. It was never about you and you operating in your gift. It was how your gift benefited theirs. And so as long as the religious folks can control this movement, they cool with it. But when the spirit begins to expand, and, it's, and now, the, the, now the people are not, not going to the religious folks. They're trying to figure out this Jesus. 5,000 people came to know Jesus. Verse number nine, if we are being examined today, this is Peter speaking, about a good deed done to a disabled man by what means he was healed, let me tell you something. No, I'm sorry, that's my Bible. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So they gave him the first name, the last name, and his address. Just so you don't miss this. And then let's, let's, let's poke the bear. Whom you crucified. That one. And whom God raised from the dead. By him this man is standing here before you healthy. And if I had an organ, cook, this Jesus. Uh-huh. I feel like my granddad. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. And then he puts the icing on the top, on the top of the cake. There is salvation in no one else. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, um, this Jesus that you crucified, um, who God raised from the dead, there is no way to be saved. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must saved, must be saved. Oh yeah, now this is the Jesus movement. Because we're not just going to be speaking broad terms. God did this. It was Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom God, whom you killed, that God raised up again. And make no mistake about it, Peter is defining what this movement is and who is leading it. Listen, there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Not a way, but the only way. So any time that we um, feel that um, there are many ways to God, can you remind yourself that this is not a way to God? Man, I don't know. I don't know who healed me. All I know, well, they, and then the religious leader says, his name is Jesus. Well, then that guy, that guy healed me. And the evidence of the power of the church is we are surrounded by a bunch of used-to-be's. That's the power of the church. And so when you know that you were blind, but now you see, when you know that you were crippled, but now you walk, that's the greatest testimony that your neighbors are reading. 
That's the testimony of the church. So when Peter says, listen, um, when the evidence of the miracle in this man's life is he used to not be able to walk. And now he's walking. Verse number 15, after they ordered them to leave the Sahedrin, they conferred among themselves saying, now what are we supposed to do with them? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. A changed life cannot be denied. But so, that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. Now, the last time the disciples didn't have Jesus, when Jesus was taken to captivity, Peter denied him. But this time it was different. This time, Jesus may not be with them physically, but the Holy Spirit was in them. And this time, they go from cowards to courageous. And this is why God told them to wait, because he knew that without his power, they will revert back to what they used to do. When pressure comes against us, they say in stress, you regress, you go back to what you're familiar with. But when the power of the Spirit is working in you, and that's, that's why there are times in God's waiting room that we have to wait well, because the waiting room is preparation. Everything that happens to us, nothing is wasted. And oftentimes in I think it's Galatians or Romans, I think it's Galatians, that we are supposed to be in step with the Spirit. In other words, I don't want to get ahead of the Spirit, and I don't want to lag behind. I want to be in step with the Spirit. How do I know that I'm walking with the Spirit? Because you know that voice that tells you not to do? That's the Spirit of God trying to influence your behavior. Now, what's crazy is you have also the same power to reject it. And so as, as we are being stretched, people's like, I'm trying to live in the Spirit. And, and so the Spirit is speaking to you. And how does he speak to you? Because you know that's wrong what you're doing. You don't need to send a text on that. What we need a text about is give me strength to make the hard decision. Sometimes in life, I know what to do, Taylor. But it's hard. Because doing the right thing takes courage sometimes. So, Lord, it's not that I need for your confirmation, is this the right thing? I need for your spirit to give me the boldness to do what he's called me to do. So waiting is not just waiting, but waiting well for the spirit. If you go now, you won't be able to endure what lies ahead. And miracles won't sustain you like the meat of his word will. This is why the details of Acts cannot be overlooked or minimized to merely see that the Holy Spirit, um, speaking in tongues per se, is just a demonstration of maturity. You can mimic behavior. You can mimic language. But the fruits of the Spirit, that's something you can't fake. I never, Pastor Andy, I never pray for patience anymore. I'm good. 
I'm good. Because what you're praying for is to be in God's waiting room. And pressure comes. So I just like, Lord, if it's your will, help me to be good with it. Because it's not enough to go through some stuff, but to learn who Christ is in that stuff. Because age alone doesn't make you mature. And neither does experience. Some of us are going through the same thing over and over again. So going through experiences alone does not make us mature. That's why in Galatians chapter 5 it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit gave us life in the new birth, and we must continue to live day by day in the Spirit. How? By yielding to the Spirit. In other words, I might want to, but I won't because I'm walking in the Spirit. And until until the Lord changes my appetite and my appetite doesn't control me if I continually yield in obedience to the Spirit. Make sense? So that place I want to go, I don't go. We surrender to his control by following his lead and his influence. See, miracles can be, cannot be denied but the source of those miracles can be debated. What do you mean? The disciples knew it was Jesus. And so the, the, that, that man that was changed stand there, he stood there, and they saw the miracle. They saw the miracle. Now, it's like folks who go through therapy. Man, and you're, you're emotionally better, and, and, and the therapist helped on your journey to healing. But to be whole, we need Christ. In other words, we have these tools that God can use to make us strong, but never forget where your source comes from. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, while Peter and John was told to shut up, many of us have to be reminded to speak up. Here's the challenge. And I say these not in these, these, these polarizing terms because we have to be able to speak up in love. There's nothing worse on the planet than a mean Christian. Because it's an oxymoron. How are you a mean Christian? Now, I'm not a morning person. If you've been around me, I struggle between the hours of 6 a.m. to around about 11.30. I just do. It ain't enough. It's not enough coffee in the world to make me smile between those hours. However, when I'm reminded, you okay? I'm fine. Could you tell your face? And this is what they get. So we, when we have the gentle reminders that we are not loving Christians, some of us become more defensive. Isn't that ironic? Remember, the, the, the religious people 
the enemies saw that they have been with Jesus. So their expectation is that they've been with Jesus, they must act like Jesus. Most of Jesus' indignation was against people who act like they knew him, according to scriptures. He said, you've been reading your scriptures, and now that I'm among you, you don't even know who I am. Jesus' aggravation was for the religious people, not for the lost. How are we angry at everybody? But we get in our cliquish clubs, and it's almost like an ego-boosting contest. We have so much power in these four walls and leave in the parking lot arguing with our families. God moves in the church at 465 South Cannon Boulevard, but God ain't moved in your home in 20 years. And the scripture says they will know your fruit, the tree, by the fruit it bears. And this is what I'm learning, that we're so busy picking fruit that we're not tending to the roots. So, the, so the, this, this, this angst that we're feeling, this anxiety that we're feeling, we're not even living our lives to God like this. We don't talk to God, and we sure don't talk to each other. We think that the people closest to us are supposed to read our minds, and there's this aggravation and dissension in the air. There's been so much tension in the house of God. This is supposed to be a place of recovery. And so it's, are we walking with God? Because here's the big idea of this whole message. It, our life isn't in our hands, our circumstances, or the devil. It's in God's hands. And that gives Peter and John the boldness to face persecution and not shut up. That gives them the boldness to be beaten in chapters um, previously, and they actually giddy about it. We just got beaten up for Jesus. When was the last time you said that? When was the last time I said that? That's walking in step with the Spirit. He says in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, we are unable, we are unable to stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. I grew up St. Paul Baptist Church, and uh, my grandfather was a pastor there. And the old folks used to sing this song, You Can't Make Me Doubt Them. I know too much about them. And so I, I see that in this verse. To do what you want to us, but I've tasted and seen him. Like, dude, I've been, like, come on, I, I want you to be selfish for a minute. You've been through too much. You got too much history with God. Don't let the headaches of life make you forget. I got too much history with the staffs of Jacob, the staff of Jacob and the staff of a shepherd. They were right down like their, their conquests and they were right down the things that they would, they would experience as shepherds. And oftentimes when, um, when a shepherd got down, he would just look at his staff. And, and it's almost like that was his physical journal. You've been through too much. I hate social media, but look through your Facebook timeline. 
You remember that random post three years ago that you posted? I don't know how I'm going to get over this. It's been three years. You look back and you say to yourself, man, that was peanuts. The Giants always look bigger on the battlefield. Always. But when you get past the thing and you look back, your testimony is simple. You can't make me doubt them. You can't make me doubt them. I know too much about them. One day when I was lost, Jesus died on the cross. And you can't, everybody's like, wow, I never heard of that. That's that song, man. And the old folks, the sisters, you know when the twins, Tiffany, the old twins, they were like 85 years old all my life, like all my life. As a baby, they were always 85 years old. And when this song, when they, when they sung this song, and, you know, they were, they were mean and cantankerous at this part, and they didn't want us running into church. They didn't want us touching anything, so we would walk around with them like this. Why are you running? That just stepped. So those twins were mean. But when they sung that song, they got happy. Because I believe what they were thinking about, Richie, was their history with God. When the last time you thought about your history with God? I, I know that the church beat you up for so long. And it took a lot for you to step, for some of us, it took a lot for you to step in this this, this church, a church. I get it. But, long, but don't let that experience over there prevent you from, what, from seeing what God wants to do in you now. Yeah. This, this, this is the beauty of why I think Peter and John, um, God used Peter because Peter was that guy. And now he's bold. Because when you've been with God, no one can convince you otherwise. This wasn't just an experience for them, but this was under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I hope that we never become so familiar with God that you no longer celebrate where you are because you've forgotten where you used to be. And sometimes in the church, man, I, I mean, I, I look clean if I do so save myself. I mean, um, but I remember when I didn't have a suit. I remember I could not string two words, two scriptures together. I, for some reason, I just couldn't remember them. I remember, but what is your story? You remember when you used to sin and then be in a church like this? Now there's a war in you. There's a struggle in you. That means that thing has not overcome you. That means that there's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in you. Now when you sing, now when you do it, there's a giftedness, that's go, that there's a grace that goes beyond the giftedness. One time we were teaching people to be excellent, but they were empty. Now we're teaching people to hear the Spirit of God and to respond. We try to keep the spirit in this box, and this is the season where God's trying to stretch out in us. There's something happening because people are hungry. What they don't want is what they had yesterday. They want a fresh move from God. I know, I know it's hard. I know. This ain't my message, but this is something I feel in my spirit. I know it's hard, and I know you've been weary. 
But if you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life for real this time, I'm not interested in your gift. And you don't understand the grace of God. Because your gift will only get you but so far. I preached empty before. And people were like, hey, that's the best message I ever heard. And I didn't even hear the message. I have to, us, we have to eat first. If we're going to worship, we have to worship first. And that's not on Sunday. And something happens when, for real, God makes you a witness. Something happens to you privately that makes your character withstand publicly when you're a witness. And here's, what the, here's the insult that they gave to the disciples. They bold. <laughs> the shy become bold. The introvert become that insecure person. Becomes bold when they're resting in the spirit. Now, some of us went to uh, Orlando. And if you've been around here, you know, me and Heights, we don't talk. Anything that's elevated above the stage is problematic. We were in service, and I'm finished. We were in service last day. And man, I felt, and some, some okay, let me stop. Some of you probably won't understand what I'm about to say, but it's not to be spooky, it's just my experience pastor was preaching and uh, you know every every morning I do this and I want to drop anything that I shouldn't have I want to catch whatever God wants me to catch I sit on my bed and I say this this is my prayer in the mornings All right, Lord whatever you want me to have today put it in my hands Lord whatever you don't want me to have Help me drop it. And that man was preaching, and he was preaching. And he spoke to me like the Holy Spirit used him. It was maybe 5,000 people in that, in, that, in that church. But he was speaking to me, Elder. And I felt the electricity of the Holy Spirit course through my body. Man, Wonderful experience, and I thought it was just going to be, it, I, it was going to just use me to speak more powerful, more eloquently. And then because we were in Orlando, we went to Universal Studios. Now, I don't like heights. I think I made it abundantly clear. But I asked God that morning, I was like, Lord, whatever you want me to catch, whatever you want me to drop. And my right-hand man, Gary Wyrick, and my two sons, we went to Universal Studios. So we, they go on this ride, and uh, because of my disposition, uh, I could not get on that ride. <laughs> but I got on the ride, and it goes up, it drops, goes up again, drops. And I was in there. I don't know what I was doing, but I was in there. And the guy was like, ah, we just need about that much. I was like, and you remember, I know I'm on this, you know I'm on this, this health thing, right? I lost like 36 pounds. Don't, don't clap for that. I still got a long way to go. And um, I get up, and I'm like disappointed. And then we go on a couple more rides. It's like, 
then as, as, as we were like having fun, I said, Lord, I want to experience all of you. I trust you with the church. I trust you with my family. Do I trust you with me? So we go on, to the, we go on the roller coaster. We're in line for the roller coaster, the Hulk. And Gary, Gary doesn't hear of God. So he, Gary's like, you're going to love this. Oh, we're going to go so fast. And I'm thinking to myself, bro, I don't need to hear this at this moment. I just need for you to chill. So it's dark and it's an hour wait. And I start thinking like, man, wow, I'm about to do this. So we're, uh, we're a ways. So, you know, I'm Superman. Then it gets dark again and my thoughts like, yo, this is nuts. This is crazy. What are you doing? God ain't in this. You better run. You ain't got nothing to prove to nobody. Standing in line, and Gary, who doesn't hear from God, says, we're almost there. Ain't no turning back now. It's like, okay, thanks. Finally, there's a little kid that's in front of me. The kid's like little. He's riding by himself. And I'm next. And Chris is behind me. And I think Gary's in the rear. I'm on a roller coaster, man. I'm on a roller coaster. Then you know where you're going. And I can hear that in my head, buddy. It's loud. I mean, it's loud. And all of a sudden, we go 40 miles per hour in two seconds. And Chris, he's not here, is screaming. <laughs> I mean, he's screaming. tell you what freedom looks like. We up. My eyes are closed for about open and see. I'm at the apex and I just look over the park. And I can see. And those screams of terror that I was carrying inside of me release tears of victory because I could see the part and something changed in me. I, I thought the fear would always be there. And I know to some, you're like, what is, in this whole ride, my eyes are open. And Elder, I start screaming, let's go. I felt like that was prophetic that I no longer was going to just hold on for my dear life, but I was enjoying the ride. I can't explain what freedom looks like. It was so bad, Lauren, that I turned down nice penthouse hotel rooms that were comp. Man, we want to bless you, man of God. And so you're going to be on the top floor. No, I won't. Don't bless me. Keep me on the ground. <laughs> Are you crazy? But this is what freedom looks like. So, I, so you're on a roller coaster of life and you can experience this journey 
with your eyes closed and holding on for dear life, well, you can understand the big idea that I can open my eyes and enjoy life because he's in control. That was Pastor Antoine continuing in the book of Acts with the Jesus Movement. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Charlotte or the surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and check out our Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.